what would life have been, been like if I would have pursued, you know, that different relationship? What, what would life have been like if uh, um, this person hadn't hurt me? What would life have been like if my kids hadn't gone down the wrong path? And, and we, we play with all those sometimes avenues of the what ifs, but the reality is God loves us so much that we often are on the path that we are on. And so we really want to talk about God's love here uh, during the Advent season. Uh, we're going to do a, a short uh, just series here through Advent on uh, really just on one verse, although it'll be all through John chapter 1, but we're really going to focus in on verse 14 and uh, what that means there. So uh, John chapter 14, actually I have that verse on the next slide. Hit the next, next button, there we go. Let's all say this together. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. There's just a lot in that little verse. And so we are going to look at, uh, in, in four different sermons, the word became flesh. Uh, and then we're going to look at the, wor- the word dwelt among us. And then we have seen his glory, so we're going to look at how the word revealed his glory. And then uh, it uh, also that uh, glory as of the one son from the father, full of grace and truth. And to those who call in his name, those who believed in him, they become children of God. So we're going to look at in the final how he fills us also with his grace and truth. So we're kind of focusing on the, on the verbs. The word became flesh, uh, the word dwelt among us. And then we've seen it, so he has revealed his glory and he fills us with grace and truth. So we're going to look at that over the next a few weeks. And that really focuses on how much God loves us. In the book of John, uh, John is, is always interesting. Those of you who grew up maybe around the church, um, when, you, you, when somebody new came to be a follower of Jesus, uh, when I was growing up, we always were told to tell them to read the book of John, which is crazy to me. Because it's the hardest of the Gospels to read. Uh, And it starts off with this really in-depth theological uh, treatise that you really have had to have read the Old Testament to even begin to understand. And John uh, is writing very thematically. And sometimes he takes events and he moves their order around a little bit to emphasize his theme versus the logical flow of what happens. And so when somebody uh, new comes to Christ, I tell them to read the book of Luke because I think Luke is easier to follow the story and he was more of a historian and, and kind of gave uh, the, the correct order of things. Uh, but John starts up in this really in-depth theological thing that we're going to be kind of tackling here uh, for the next, the next few weeks. Um, I don't know about you, but when it comes to Christmas, um, actually just, it used to be Thanksgiving, but now it starts even before that. It kind of reminds me of like when you were a kid and there was a big hill and you kind of started going down the hill, you know, and pretty soon you're going a little bit faster. And then pretty soon you start hitting this stride where you've gone, I have never run so fast in my life. And that's usually followed up by a series of tumbling down the hills into a crash. And it just seems like Christmas is like that. Like we start just start, oh boy, I'm so excited for Christmas and pretty soon we're running so fast. And in that running so fast, sometimes we miss 
things around us that are happening, or more specifically, people who are not going down the hill at the same path and the same speed, who need our attention, but we can't see them because we're running too fast. And then it seems like when we get down, you know, I don't, at least me, like the day after Christmas, I'm like, let's take this stuff out. Let's get this out of here. We're done. And I, I really, I said to my wife, I really want to slow down this year. I really just want to slow down, just enjoy people. And right after saying that, we sat down and looked at our calendar, and we already have a major event on every weekend. And that's without us trying. We weren't even trying to schedule things. And so I'm trying to get us just to slow down a little bit and try to think about who Jesus is, uh, what his advent means, and uh, what it looks like to us. So John chapter 1, here's what we're going to do. Put the verse back up. If we could go back one slide, there we go. I'm going to read John chapter 1 all the way through verse 18. Uh, but when we get to verse 14, we're going to read it together, okay, because that's our focus. So I'll read all 18 verses, and I'll cue you in. If you don't have a Bible in front of you, you can, I'll, I'll let us know when we're reading. In the beginning was the Word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John, he came as a witness, to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. And he came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And we were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. And from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. So as we look at this idea of what it means that the word became flesh, uh, again, John is a very theological, very in-depth introduction here. Uh, but he tells us in chapter 20 that the whole point of him writing this gospel down 
He says, these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John wants you to believe in who Jesus is so that you may have life. In chapter one here, we learn that God wants to be seen and he wants to be known through his son. Um, The idea that Jesus became man, took on flesh, and lived among us. Um, One person uh, said it this way, God has skin in the game. You know, when you're you're trying to, to maybe help somebody uh, maybe you're trying to help them get back on your feet and, and help them get back on their feet and, and they don't have a lot of money. A lot of times in the benevolent fund and different things that we do, we, we try to get the people that, that were coming alongside to, to participate in the process. In other words, what is it that you can bring to the table? Because you want somebody who's receiving, getting something to have skin in the game, that it's costing them something. And and God here, when he sends his son to save us, we're reminded that he literally has skin in the game. He's invested in this. And so what he wants us to see, he wants us to believe in his son, he wants us to have life, but he wants us to, to, to see him through his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus took a body so that you and I could become part of his body. So what we want to look at this morning, just three things very briefly. Uh, when he uses this term, the word, what is it? Uh, how do we see it? In other words, how do we experience it? And then how do we know it? So the word, what are we talking about? How do we experience it? And then how do we know it? So first of all, the word, what is it? If you look back at at verse 1 in John, in the beginning was the Word. When you hear those phrases, in the beginning, if you have been around the Bible for a while, maybe you're brand new to it and that's okay, but John is using a phrase that people familiar with the Old Testament will recognize. Because Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 starts off, in the beginning. So you're like, wait a second. Now, we talk about around here, we use the term hyperlink, and it describes when, you, when you're reading something that the, the writer of, say, the New Testament or, or another Old Testament book wants to remind you of something that already happens. He uses a, a phrase where you're supposed to go, oh, wait a second, I'm supposed to bring this text to mind to think about. And so John, let me just start this whole thing. John starts off with Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. And so he wants us to have this creation account in mind. In the beginning was the word. Now, go back to Genesis chapter one. In the beginning was what? God. Okay, so now he's he's messed with the opening a little bit. And so you're gonna, why are we using the word word? Now, some of you that grew up around the church and you've heard sermons on John chapter one before, I'm going to take a slightly different approach. The Greek here uh, reads, in the beginning was the logos, logos. That's the Greek word. And a lot of commentators have done a lot of work to explain 
what the word logos meant to Greeks. But when I look at this phrase, in the beginning was the word, I think he wants us to think about what it meant to Hebrews, what it meant to Jews. And so it, it has a slightly different connotation. And so we want to understand again what it is when he's talking about this. He's taking us on a hyperlink. And so the first thing that we learn is that Jesus, now let me just point something out to you here, make sure that you're tracking with me. Chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the word. We're talking about this word. Verse 14, our text, and the word became flesh. Okay? And then that person who became flesh, who dwelt among us and all these different things that was not known, wasn't received by his people, is named as Jesus Christ. Okay, in those verses we read. Okay? So when we talk about the word, we, we know we're talking about Jesus, or at least John is talking about Jesus. And so the first thing that we understand about Jesus is that he was an agent of creation. Now, from a New Testament perspective, that's not that hard to understand. Uh, we see that in other texts. But from a Hebrew point of view, this is already a problem. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and everything was made through Him. And let me give you an example why it's a problem. Here's Psalm 33, 6. By the Word of the Lord, now notice I have Lord in a different colors. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D in my ESV Bible. And if you're kind of new, that when, when you find that in your Bible, he's using the proper name for God, Yahweh. And so it says, by the word of Yahweh, the heavens were made. And by the breath of his mouth, all their hosts, Psalm 33, 6. And so from an Old Testament point of view, God created everything. And now we hear that Jesus was the agent of that creation. So it's equating Jesus with God, which John clearly does here, but from a Hebrew point of view, there's, there's a struggle here. Here's another verse, 2 Peter, uh, New Testament. For they deliberately overlooked this fact, that the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. So we understand creation was, was initiated, started, happened because of the word of God. And here John says, the word of God is Jesus. He was the agent of creation. Second, when he says this, uh, this hyperlink also hyperlinks us uh, to Proverbs chapter 8, the person of wisdom. And uh, that's a difficult uh, passage. I've got one verse up there, but I want to just read a little bit more uh, to you. Um, Proverbs chapter 8. Uh, is all, it's just this very poetic language. And it says in the beginning of chapter 8, does wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? So now wisdom has a, uh, a, a human aspect, right? It's a person uh, on the heights beside the way at the crossroads. She takes her stand besides the gate in front of the town. So, and then it, it skips down. And in verse 12, it says, I, wisdom, dwell with prudence. And I, wisdom, find knowledge and discretion. And so it describes wisdom here as a person. And as you go through um, this description of wisdom, it is said um, in verse 22, the Lord possessed me, that's wisdom again, at the beginning of his work. 
the first of his acts of old. Ages ago, I was set up at the first, before the beginning of the earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. Before he had made the earth with its fields and the first of the dust of the world, when he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew the circle of the face of the deep, when he made from the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit so that its waters may not transgress, he commanded when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him like a master workman and I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world. So this description of the word takes us back to the agent of creation, the person of wisdom, and and really it takes us back to the heart and mind of God. Um, When I speak, hopefully my words represent my heart and mind. Um, There was a football game, uh, there's a few football games on in the last few days, I don't know if you noticed um, I didn't watch them all, but I, my wife thinks I did. Um, there was a lot of them. And there was one game, uh, I didn't watch this game, but it's been uh, well uh, promoted in the ending of it. The team was down by one touchdown. And uh, they received a pass and scored a touchdown, and the receiver did a very inappropriate celebration after the touchdown. Uh, it was gross. And so they penalized him, which then backed up the kick, the extra point, 15 yards, and the guy missed it, and they lost the game because of this person's actions. And so a lot of commentators were talking about it. Um, And the the player has since um, given a statement, and he says, my actions don't represent who I am. Well, you know, our actions often do represent who we are. I think what you meant to say is, I wish those actions didn't represent who I was. Uh, The the reality is when we say something, as much as we want to take it back, it still often represents something inside us that's broken. When we do something, but but here, when, when God speaks, and he is perfect and without sin, his words perfectly represent who he is. And so at first, when we think of the idea of of the words representing God, it's distinct from him, but it still represents him. But then, as we go along, this word becomes flesh. It actually becomes a person. And so it is a complex uh, uh, concept, the Trinity. God is one, and he eternally exists in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And I could preach on this 50 times. And after preaching on it for 50 times, one of you would go, I still, and by one of you, I mean, it's just, it's hard. It's a hard concept. But we, we accept in faith that God is one and he exists in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And John is, is fleshing that out for us. And so the word, what we learn about it, it's, it, it hyperlinks us to creation, to wisdom, and to the mind of God. And it's a statement of who Jesus is. So let's just look at it in verse 1. 
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing. Uh, uh, Nothing that was made, everything that was made was made through him. So here's a few things. He was in the beginning. Now, here in the beginning means before the creation of the world. I love messing with my Old Testament students, and we always do this. We're, we're in there. All right, so what did God create on the first day? They say, well, the world. And I, and I always go, well, it's not actually what it says. And I said, well, what? It says, in the beginning, God, right? And, and then it says, the first thing that he spoke into creation was light. He doesn't create the sun for a few more days. And so you got to just begin to wrestle with that. And what do we have here? I mean, if you, if you were listening, I, it's a little different. Uh, in my Bible, I have the word light highlighted every time that it's mentioned in the first chapter here. The light shines, verse 4. Uh, John came to bear witness about the light in verse 7. He was not the light, verse 8. The true light, verse 9. He he came to bear witness. Uh, He was not the light, to bear witness about the light. The true light, uh, verse 9. So it's mentioned a few times there. So so light is a bigger theme here. Jesus is that light. So he was in the beginning, and he was, and I would say is, right? Right? We're, we're talking past tense, but it's still true. He is with God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. He still is, but we'll just use the, the, the tense here in the text. So he was in the beginning, he was with God, and then John just twists it and he says, and the Word what? Was God. He was God. He was with God and he was God. Just your mind should be spinning here. That's what it says. He's with God and he was God. And then it says, and he was life. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made. In him was life. Life comes through him. And then he was, and I already kind of mentioned this, he was the light. So John has all these references back to the creation account. What do we have in the creation account? We have light being created. We have God speaking. We have the word. We have the word of God, him speaking. We have him creating life. And all these things are tied up and into the person of Jesus Christ. So it's a statement of who he is and it's a statement also of what he is doing. He came to shine light in the darkness. In the beginning was God, and and God speaks, and there's light. What does light do? Light destroys the darkness. 
And so he tells us here in verse 8, he was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. Verse 9, the true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He came to shine a light. It's interesting, I was reading just in my devotions this morning, uh, those of you who know me know I, I love the Psalms, and I, I always read a Psalm each morning, and the, my Psalm this morning was Psalm 112. And it says in verse 4, it says, Light dawns in the darkness for the upright. He is gracious, merciful, and righteous. And I said, well, wait a second, who is the he here? And I looked at it, in Hebrew poetry, the second line somehow relates to the first line. And so the he, right in my mind, said right away, I said, is the he the upright or the light? And so I got kind of excited and I ran and grabbed a commentary. And the first commentary I found and read, it says, scholars disagree. <laughs> my God, yes, I was right on track there. But I kept reading and I said, man, this, I had just read John chapter one the morning, getting ready for the sermon. I'm reading this and I'm going, how is that not Jesus here? Light dawns in the darkness for the upright. He, the light, is gracious, merciful, and righteous. Man, this picture of light is, again, so many hyperlinks back to the Old Testament. We don't have time to go and look at all of them. The statement of what he's doing. He came to shine light, and he came to his own. He came to his own. There is a group of people that were chosen to be a light to the nations. They were chosen to be God's representative. They are the, 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 nation, the, the nation of Israel, and they didn't always do a good job. In fact, more often than not, they didn't do a good job. And so when Jesus comes, he comes to his people, the nation of Israel. And now we have John's commentary on how Jesus' ministry went. In verse 11, here he just sums it up, what he's about to tell us in the rest of the chapters. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. There's a commentary on how this story is going to go. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. He came to his own, and he came to give. He came to give this right to become children of God. So what does it mean that the word became flesh? What it is? Man, it's, it's deep. It's complex. That's why I said, let's not start new believers right here in John chapter 1. Our, our minds are spinning. Most of you have heard this stuff before. Now, the word, how do we, how do we see it? God wants to be seen and known through his son. John says all these things were written so that you might believe in him. He wants you to see and understand who God is through his son, Jesus Christ, through the way he lived. Now, we live in a Western world, and we are very much knowledge-based. And so uh, most of us want the sermons to be something that we learn and know, and then we can apply to our lives. But when Jesus came, he said to his disciples, follow me. What I want you to do is to experience. I want you to learn 
what I know and I want you to repeat it. And so uh, the, the Eastern way is more experienced-based. And so when we think about what it means to see and know Jesus, uh, I'm not just talking about more knowledge for you, uh, something for you to understand. He wants us to see something different. And in that ways that we do that, I think there are some good things that we do in life that hinder us from actually seeing Jesus. And I'm just going to name a few, and I'm going to step on some toes, but just think through it with me. Uh, Religion. Church. Church can sometimes hinder us from actually seeing Jesus. You say, wow, that doesn't sound right, Dave, but look at history of religion. It often takes people down a wrong road. Um, and look, I, I believe in the church. I believe that, that the church is, is God's vehicle for, for winning the lost and, and loving people. But I can also look at the history of religion in general and go, we have gone down a lot of really wrong roads. In the name of Jesus, the name of God. And so we could actually add to that list religious people. They often get in our way of actually seeing Jesus. I've known a lot of people who lived very moral lives who did not seem to have any love for Jesus. They had a love for the moral ways that they were living, but not for Jesus. Traditions, and we have them, a lot of them, but sometimes traditions, we can lose sight of what they are trying to teach us. I, I threw David a curveball. I found that video this morning on Advent, and I said, because so often we do Advent, and it's just like, yeah, somebody's going to come here and read, and we're going to light a candle, but there's people around. I don't know what Advent is. I can't remember what Advent means. And so sometimes we just kind of go through the traditions. Now, I don't know about you, but, but, but we didn't have to have really any discussions about what we were going to eat for Thanksgiving. I mean, the dishes that we eat and that we put on our table are the same dishes we put on the table last year and the year before that. Now, occasionally, we've had a vote after Thanksgiving. Now, I think there's, there's uh, two kinds of people, personally. It's just me, okay? There are those that eat yams at Thanksgiving, and then there are normal people. Okay, sorry, I don't get yams. Adding the marshmallows makes them look better, but it really doesn't change the taste for me. And for whatever reason, for a period of time in our history, we had yams on the table, but nobody ate them. So we finally voted it off the table. We said, eh, let's not do that anymore. Okay, so there's this, these traditions that we do that we don't even think about. And sometimes when we get to Christmas, we just start going through the routines. We put the tree up, we put the ornaments on, we play the music, we do the things, we, we make the plans, we have the parties, and we're not thinking through why we're even doing it anymore. So traditions can sometimes keep us from Jesus. Um, Christmas. Yeah, Christmas can actually keep us from Jesus. And, and just think about this, I, and I, you know, look, we're all guilty, but how much conversation will you have with your spouse or with your family about gifts? Who's getting what? 
what's fair, drawing the names, you know, all that stuff that you do, and how much discussion will you have about Jesus? I mean, if you really put them on a scale, what ends up being what we discuss most about? And if I asked you, I said, what is Christmas about? You say, Jesus. What did you talk most about? Money. Buying things. Planning things. And so if we actually put it out there, which, which then is Christmas really about? Isn't it about what we give the most time and energy to? And so how do, how do we keep that center aspect of what... Now, here's some things that help us see Jesus. Um, I would say the Spirit. We need to be in tune with the Spirit of God and what He is saying about His Son and what He is saying about how we live in this community. What, what is the Holy Spirit saying to us? Now, I know that we're Baptist, but we still believe in the Holy Spirit. We still believe that he empowers us, that he leads us, that he guides us, that he teaches us. We just don't always listen. And if you want to really experience Christmas, let's stop and pause. And what is God telling us about the season, about the events, about the people? Second, obviously, we see Jesus in the body of Christ. Now, I, I know I just, you said, well, you just said religious people. And I, I, I'm making a separation between those who are truly the body of Christ and those who are just living a religious life. It's so amazing sometimes to see how the body of Christ responds to needs, to people. Um, and I, I have a front row seat to that. Most of you don't have that. Um, I had the opportunity this week. Um, we didn't, uh, we had so many Thanksgiving boxes and um, we offered them to people, they accepted, but then a few people didn't come and pick theirs up. I don't know why. But now we've got this big box of food. And so something came uh, to us on, on uh, Tuesday and uh, just outside of this, and I just texted Rich. I said, do we have any boxes left? And he said, yeah, we do. And I said, well, I think I, I, think I have somebody. And so, you know, we're texting back and forth. I'm like, yeah, this is vacation for a pastor, right? And we're texting back and forth. And, and so, and I'm talking with a third party, you know, can they use this box? Well, you know, so yes. It comes back to me, can you bring them the box tonight? Said, no, I'm in Albany with my kids. They said, well, the problem is she works at 6.30 tomorrow morning. She has to leave for work at 6.30 on Wednesday. And I said, then I'll be at her house before 6.30. And people were a little shocked by that. I was shocked, actually, when it came out of my mouth. <laughs> and my wife was kind of like, what did you just say? And, I, and so I am walking around the dark on Wednesday looking for an address and knocking on the door, hoping I have the right door, to somebody just crying as they received a gift from the body of Christ. Well worth getting up. And see, those are the moments where somebody gets to 
see Jesus because you, the body of Christ, gave, donated, brought gifts to give to the community. People see Jesus in that. And that's how we love our neighbor. It's how we see Christ. Now, there's another story I'm going to try to try to tell without we had two boxes you said what happened to the other box rich said he had someone one of michelle's girls and they brought the box long story short the girl just the day before was praying she was praying that god would provide and wasn't on our list wasn't formally planned but you know who whose list it was on it was on god's list And the body of Christ met literally an answer to prayer. Isn't that just awesome? And so there's just these moments where the body of Christ says, this is Jesus. Now, if we're honest, there's other times where we say, the body of Christ says, this is Jesus. And the world goes, ah, because we blow it. But sometimes we get it right. And finally, another way that I think that we see Jesus is obviously just focusing on the person of Christ who he was. So we, we ask you in your Bible reading to think about these questions. Who is God or Jesus? What has he done? And we, we need to keep looking at the story of who he is. I was interesting, I just thought, when, when Jesus is asked, what's the most important commandment? Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul. That was the Shema. It was something that a good Jewish person prayed at least twice a day. And so that was like a no-brainer. It was a creed that you said at least twice a day. You woke up every morning, you said it at night. You would say, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. But Jesus changed the script. He said, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, we don't really think anything about that because it's Jesus, but do you understand what the original audience was saying, you know? I mean, you you just don't get to add to the creeds. You don't get to just add to the doctrinal statement without a vote. Jesus said, well, here's the creed, but I'm going to add to it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus said, love God, love people. Why? That's part of our mission statement. Now, let me think of another interesting story I was reading this, this, uh, this week, and it kind of struck me. Somebody comes to Jesus and said, Jesus says, follow me. And he said, ah, I'm going to follow you. But first, I need to bury my father. And Jesus comes back with a hard statement. He says, let the, let the dead bury their, their own. And you go, man, Jesus can be kind of harsh. But listen, here's the background. I wasn't planning on saying this. This isn't my notes. This is totally extra for you. In those days when somebody died, you had seven days of mourning, and then you buried them. And after the mourning, you would bury them, and then there would be a year process of burying the dead. And after a year, sorry folks, you would go back in, now the body has decomposed, and you would take the bones and you would rebury the bones. And that was the funeral process, one whole year. 
And so if this guy is talking with Jesus, he's already been through the seven days. He's in the year process. And Jesus is saying, no, more important than honoring your father that way is following me. And so what we have in the person of Jesus, love God, love people, follow me. That's the creed. That, that's the essentials. And so here in the person of Jesus and all the stuff, we need to focus on him. Last thing, real quick. How is it known? The beauty of Christmas is that we don't have to go find Jesus because Jesus came to find us. That's the story. Jesus came and he dwelt among us. I'm not going to take from next week's sermon. But I want to say this, just in way of introduction of this series. The story of Jesus doesn't begin at Christmas. It's fulfilled. Its fulfillment begins at Christmas. Israel was waiting for the Messiah. Jesus is that Messiah. He is the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies and promises. It doesn't begin at Christmas. It begins to be fulfilled at Christmas. Second, the story doesn't find its significance in Christmas, but in the person of Jesus. And you know what? Um, there's all these political stuff, and people are concerned about wishing people a Merry Christmas. And you can wish whoever you want a Merry Christmas. I don't care. But let's just remember that the focus is not Christmas. And it's not on being merry. It's on the person of Jesus Christ. That's where our focus lies. And we can get caught up in all the wrappings, pun intended, and miss the baby. The story doesn't change you. You know what? Uh, I am not a fan of the hundreds of new Christmas movies. I have three or four that I watch. I am not on the Hallmark Christmas list of all the Christmas movies. They all start with somebody who's, you know, lost somebody, they're a little jaded at life, and they're jaded at Christmas, but then they meet somebody and they find love and their purpose of Christmas, is that's the, every story is that way. It usually has a little kid in it who has one of those little statements about Jesus or Christmas or hope or something. Look, the story doesn't change you. The person of Jesus changes you. So if you're looking for something in Christmas to light the fire, it's the person of Jesus that lights that fire. So here's some application for us as we enter into the season of Advent. How do we approach it? How do we enter into it? First of all, with a heart of worship. I, I recognize that in my preaching, I tend to be very action-oriented. Uh, we need to do this. And it was very tempting for me to say, Jesus has skin in the game, so you have to have skin in the game. But perhaps what we really need to do this Christmas is just enter into with a heart of worship. In other words, let's use our words to honor the word. Let's use our heart to honor the word that became flesh. Let's truly worship him. It's kind of cliche, but we need to move from presence 
to his presence. Um, We need to enter into the presence of God. The greatest gift that God gave us at Christmas was not a thing, but a person. Slow down and be present with those who are around you. This may be the last Christmas you have with. What you get them is irrelevant. What they get you is irrelevant. The time with them is important. Be present with people. Third, uh, reflecting on uh, where we're looking for love. And I, let me just explain that a little bit. Um, we're all tempted to find love, acceptance, worth um, in something or someone. And, and we might, if, if, boy, it'll just be a great Christmas if, um, it'll just be a, a great, you know, end of the year if I get that bonus. It, it might be, you know, just really great if we can do this this year and, and all these things and make these memories for our kids or whatever it is. And, and at some point in time, we start chasing this idea of looking for love, looking for acceptance, looking for worth. And I want to remind you that when Jesus came to his own, his own did not receive him. He was ignored, mocked, spit upon, beaten, and crucified. We rejected him. This is John's commentary on Jesus' life and ministry. But to all who receive him, who find their love and worth and acceptance in the person of Jesus Christ, he gives the right to become children of God, to be named among his own. So this Christmas season, try to honor him with your words. Um, Try to honor him by the way that you enter into relationship with other people and reflect on what it is that gives you love and joy. And anything that's outside of the person of Jesus Christ is just a false cloud that's, that's gonna be gone. And so we need to focus on him. Now I'm preaching to myself as much as I am to you because I know I start running that downhill race. And pretty soon this holiday season, just like all the rest, is gonna get away from me. And I'd like to tell you it's not that I've made some changes, but I just know it is. And so I am trying to, at least in my devotion, in my prayer time, in my scripture reading, slow down and make sure that I'm spending time with Jesus. So a couple of ways you can do that. Uh, If you are currently doing the reading schedule for Hillsborough First Baptist Church, you're going to read through 1st, 2nd, 3rd, John, Jude, and Revelation. We're going to finish up the story here. And we can see that. If you're not in God's word on a regular basis, here's my challenge to you. Start today, okay, and I I won't make you read Revelation because you didn't read all the Gospels earlier, but if you're starting today, read one chapter in Luke a day. 
If you read one chapter in Luke a day, starting today, you will go through the entire story of Jesus' birth, his life, his death, and his resurrection through the Christmas season. And so say, say to yourself this morning, I'm going to do one thing that puts Jesus at the center of this season. I'm going to, I'm going to take this amount of time, X amount of time, and I'm going to devote it to making sure that I stay focused on the word becoming flesh, on who Jesus is. So make that commitment this morning and follow through. Uh, Let's pray. We're going to take our morning offering. If you came with a benevolent offering, I want to remind you that there's a a box in the back uh, for a benevolent offering. It's locked and it's just, you can just put that in there. Um, And I, just so we're clear, uh, we're voting on the budget on December 15th. Today, we are receiving the budget and there's a short explanation by the chairman of the board about uh, what, what's the budget So, uh, in receiving that. So uh, if your kids are in uh, Cross Street, they can stay there, correct, Rich? And then you can pick them up afterwards. We'll dismiss everybody. We'll have a short meeting, pass out the budgets. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for this morning. Um, thank you for the word become flesh. And uh, Lord, we do pray that we would, um, in a worshipful way, focus on you this Christmas, that we would give um, time to think about our story and how you've shaped it, uh, that we would be reminded of how much you love us, uh, that you'd be reminded of who you are and what you've done, um, that who we are in, in light of what you've done and what you've called us to do. So we pray that we would follow through in making a commitment to making you more important, even during this time. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.